You are listening to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YA lit podcast hosted by Don Abram and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We are here to help you navigate your TBR pile, what's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. And I'm Don, the criticizer of books. So turn up the volume, here we go. Welcome back to the Novel Universe, the read along with the universe where we are reading Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. And in today's podcast, we will be discussing chapters 6 through 11. Otherwise known as the chapters where shit goes down. Yeah. That's how lots, of, it. lots of things yeah. happen in these chapters. Yeah. I feel like the, the previous chapters to this, uh, so obviously <laughs> the prologue through chapter 5, uh, obviously it was a lot of setup, a lot of setup, mm-hmm. and she's still setting things up, of course, but I think, like, now is really when we begin to see the pieces start to fall into place, so now I feel like I'm, like, really reading the book, and again, full disclosure, like, I am actually reading along with this book, so I have not finished the book, but Dawn has finished the book, so my interpretations are without the foresight of what happens at the end of the book, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome if you're reading just like me, but if not, welcome great. if you've read it already. <laughs> yes, we welcome all readers here. Um, all right, let's let's jump into it. All right, well, let's start with characters, mm-hmm. and then we'll do like major events, and then the writing and all that. Sounds good. All right, Darlington. Let's start with him. Yeah. So in this chapter section, we go to his house, Black Elm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's not, it's kept, it's kept up by Dawes, mm-hmm. right? But otherwise, is the house kind of in, like, moderate-ish disrepair? Or, like, I can't remember if he was talking about some other building or his house. By the look you're giving me, I'm assuming that is not Black Elm. I don't know. By okay. look is, I don't know, I don't know. Never That's mind. my let's, look. Let's skip right past that point. But, um, we see where he has otherwise lived, and it does... Well, I don't know. I want to talk about the chapter, the like scene where she's in his bed, but then I'm like, is it too soon to discuss that? I don't know. Yeah, well, let's just talk about him All right. specifically. Um, so what I've noted was that he seems to be looking for lots of things. Um, something other than the world that he's currently living in. Mm-hmm. Because he mentions, he keeps mentioning... Rosenfeld is at the hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something's happening with Rosenfeld. He's like trying to figure out the mystery behind it. And there's something else. I we, noted it and I didn't write it down. Well, we basically learn what he wants to make his life goal, which is creating this like alternate map of New Haven. Of. Yeah. That like basically maps the like spiritual energy in mm-hmm. New Haven. So, um,. Yeah, he wants to create a map that helps to reveal these things that are not otherwise seen. That's intense, mm-hmm. and obviously is a clue to where old boy may be. Yeah. So, or like why he disappeared, etc. So that's a big reveal. Um, I just wrote that. I, I don't know. I seen. I felt like he's always like looking. He doesn't seem to like the world he's living in. He's always trying to find other things and. Yeah. The new hope thing is just another thing he's trying to find. And I'm like, is it? Is he genuinely curious or is he empty in his mm-hmm. current life? Mm-hmm. 
at the very last chapter, we find out that him and his parents are estranged. His grandfather has died. Yeah. He's alone. Yeah. Um, he keeps to himself. He did have college roommates, and he's since lost touch with them. So, you know, maybe Leaf his... is, like, all he's got at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's all he's got. And is he a junior or a senior? I he's, can't remember. I think he's a senior. Okay. Yeah. So he's almost... Uh, yeah. Almost not going to be part of the Leith world anymore, except other than an alumni, yeah. which he's not happy about. And when you say, like, all he has is Leith, that brings me to my next point, and it goes along with the... Do we want to talk about... Well, in we'll talk about the drug scene in depth. Yeah, let's but, do him, let's do Alex, and then let's do... Two yeah, but I mean, together. what I'm saying is... I'm not gonna... We're not gonna go into it. Right. It's just that... No, it wasn't the drug scene. My bad. It was... I think it was chapter 11 where Sandow is saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to find him. And Dawes is like, are, are you sure? And Alex says, okay, I need to backtrack. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I do have notes, I promise. So during the drug scene, he says, what does he say? Accept me. And we, we aren't sure if he's talking about who he's talking about. Why did not I take better notes? Didn't he just say, pick me, love me, Pick or me, love like me. Yeah. yeah. And so we'll get to that scene in depth, but... We're like, is he talking about Leith or is he talking about Alex? Yeah. And so then in the Sandow scene in chapter 11, Alex says, um, it was cruel that Leith didn't love him back. So when you say that he only has Leith, but he must he feel like Leith doesn't really love him yeah. as he much as he loves He doesn't actually it. have Leith because you can't have Leith. You, yeah. you play a role for them or you're passing through. Yeah. You know, and that's, like, I think... His like larger view on life too, which is why he he's obsessed with this knowing what happens beyond the veil because life is the same way. You don't own life. You're yeah. here. You make the best of it. You play a role, and then you're passing through. So yeah. it's like he's like trying to get a sense of some kind of stability somehow because he hasn't had that in any area of his life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well yeah, that that scene at manuscript was bizarre to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also noted that he, and this also goes along with the manuscript party, is that he he wants control and he wants yeah. to be taken seriously. And in that moment, he wasn't. Yeah. And he did not like that at no, all. No. He also didn't like feeling desire. Okay, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But yeah, like it showed a lack of control that he doesn't like. Because desire is also lack of control. Yeah, that's so, true. Ultimately, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And we see more envy. We saw um, he had a a memory of when he was a child and there was a friend who could see this ghost city and he couldn't. So once again, he's like, how come you can see this and I can't? So he's envious. He's showing his envious side again. I feel so bad for him. Like he's upset that he doesn't have these gifts and skills that clearly exist that other people have, but he doesn't have. And so it's like he is his own stumbling block in reaching his own goal yeah that's so sad it is sad poor baby darlington just want to give him a hug i know (laughs) and this is why like i was looking through goodreads and everybody i love darlington he needs to be on the page more like everybody loves darlington me too that was like my first thing i put in my review people in the book yeah like and you know know. it's a sisterly i think she's it's a sisterly love at least that's the impression i'm getting i don't think she's in love with him like that we don't know much about Dawes at this point um so Mm -hmm. all right that's all I had about Darlington same okay Alex Mm -hmm. 
I don't have much about her. I mean, everything well, I have about her is tied into the big events that happen. I mean, we need to talk about the... The biggest thing we learn about Alex in this chapter is her past. We basically get confirmation of how she kind of got to Yale. We knew that she, you know, was found at basically like a murder scene and Sandow had been watching her and that's how she was brought to Yale, but we get her history. I think we get that that little bit of something that you would tell someone that you're becoming friends with. Like, you know, I was raised by my mom and um, this happened to me here, and so she, let's talk about the assault scene in the field trip, um, that's the big reveal for this section of chapters, is that right when she's kind of starting to settle into her youth, it's ultimately, like, ripped away from her. Mm -hmm. She gets her period on this field trip, and at the same moment that she does, she is sexually assaulted by a ghost, which, you know, before, before this point in time, none of them had ever tried to touch her, or really interact with her other than, like, looking at her. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, Alex is navigating this world of seeing these ghosts, which she called the quiet ones, um, completely on her own. And so we were talking about how Alex's past ultimately kind of, I think, reveals the larger theme, one of the larger themes of this book, which is just the advent of adulthood and how it often comes when people are not ready for it. Um, and what do you do with that? What do you do with that sense of, I'm I'm on my own, I've got to make this work for me? Which, you know, Darlington, in his own way, has been dealing with that. And now we see that Alex as well. Um, where did I go with that? Did you well, write down some notes? Yeah, well, okay. the reason why we were talking about it is, I was wondering, why did Bardugo choose to make her start her period uh -huh. at this exact moment? You don't have a character start their period at a very traumatizing moment in their life for just for kicks and giggles. Right. There's a reason for it. And I think you said it. It's, you know, when a woman starts her period, she's not a child anymore. Right. She can essentially have babies now. Mm -hmm. Like, you're an adult mm -hmm. and you're not, well, you're not an adult, but Bio you're a woman. Biologically, you are considered an yeah. adult because you are able to perform this, this function that we have relegated to adulthood. Yeah. You know, and so this, we were just talking in the context of the story, like, ghosts, greys, whatever, we're going to call them greys because that's how she refers to them, but um, they are attracted to this like life-bringing energy. So of course your period means that literally you can bring life into the world now, so it makes sense that he would have been like, like massively drawn to that force that she was kind of obviously experiencing and going through in the bathroom. Um, and that for her was this moment of, even though I was beginning to settle into it, my childhood is over. And then we see her lean into that with, like, kind of alienating her mom, refusing to refusing to work with her mom and actually get help, even though it could be argued that maybe that wouldn't have helped her. Mm -hmm. Just, like, therapy, these camps that her mom was trying to send her to. Um, so she strikes out on her own. She does, quote, unquote, embrace adulthood, but it gets her in trouble and it leaves her even more alone than she was before. And so by the time she gets to Yale... Um, she's kind of centered back in this, like, parent-child relationship with, with someone, with Leith, even. And then Darlington, again, is taken away from her. So she's put back in that where, like, no, you still, you're an adult, you have to make your own choices, you have to call the shots. And it's a relationship she's very uncomfortable with settling herself into. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting, um just foray into what adulthood means and I, I like that she's doing that with this book because this is her first she meaning Lee Bardugo this is her first adult book and I wonder if she's 
you know, kind of trying to bridge, like, the life experiences of her early teen readers, because she's been publishing YA since, like, 2013. Yeah. You know, so if you were in middle school at that point, you'd be graduating high school now, and it's like, I just thought that was, it made this book, like, not just, like, a fun murder mystery, like, this is, there's a lot of substance here. Yeah. Um, I guess we can kind of go along with the question of she has faced this trauma she hasn't dealt with it she's medicating it Mm -hmm. and she's not dealing with it Mm -hmm. so why does she choose to take a job that makes her work with grays all the time yeah to confront the one thing she's afraid of yeah um and you know that's this is maybe this is her opportunity to face it and she has what she thinks is people who are there to help her and protect her maybe they know how to help her mm-hmm. and she sees it as an opportunity for getting some help that she didn't get when she was younger yeah initially person. i i think she initially agreed to go down this yale route because maybe she thought to herself like oh you know you know more than me about what these grays are and why i can see them and maybe i'll get answers to why I am the way that I am. Because, again, finding yourself is a major part of adulthood as well because that informs your choices, that informs the direction that you take in life. Um, so her wanting to go to Yale is sensical, but then once she gets there, it's not what she expected at all. No. And I think, right, like we're ultimately going to see this like force her into a, hopefully, like self-actualized adulthood yeah. where she is confronting her problems and... Because that's that's successful adulthood, facing mm-hmm. the issues that you come up against, because you will. Adulthood doesn't mean that everything just, like, life is life, it is what it is, but, like, yeah. no, it's one hurdle after the next, and medicating is where life gets difficult. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's all I had to say about Alex, specifically. Yeah, I didn't, more. no. Everything I had to say about her was kind of tied in to the other things that happened okay. in the story. All right. So we talked about the assault in the bathroom already. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the other big thing, do you want to go into the drugging at the manuscript party? Is there something else? Well, I think we need to backtrack a tiny bit. Um, I mean, do we want to talk about how she realizes, like, who... She realizes that someone is actually, like, sending people after her, and, like, do you think that's important to discuss, like, the book and snake stuff? That was a big right reveal. now it's it is, but right now it's speculation. But True. I'm assuming that is she's correct. Well, because it isn't, it isn't because the conversation with Dean Sandow at the end is like, look, dude, the facts are adding up, and you can't deny it. And he's mm-hmm. like, mm, I guess you're right, but uh, I'm still not going to do anything about it. But that's yeah. it. We can we can do that at the end, I guess. And the reason that I wanted to do that before we went to the manuscript party is because clearly Book and and Snake are using manuscripts skills and power to glamour the greys because she's not able to tell that they're greys when she first looks at them that's not Book and Snake's gift all that they do is bring these entities back to semi-human form so then it makes sense that later in the section of chapters oh now we're dropped into a manuscript party where we can see the full effect of their of their power. So now we can let's let's okay. let's jump into that party. 
Um, Darlington warns her, like, dude, don't trust anything that you see here. And even that wasn't good enough to protect him from their shenanigans. And I'm like, he walked right into it. How did you... But I mean, You wouldn't I assume. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he thought that mostly... But no, because he slaps her hand away when she was even yeah. trying to get the stamp on her wrist. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe yeah, he just kind gonna... of... It, it must have, like, come at him as he was walking through. He yeah. probably didn't see it as he was going. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he would Because they were coming into the room. Yeah. So maybe they just thought it was, like, a party effect. Because technically it was a Halloween party as well just as... Just a fog machine. Yeah. Um... Okay. So he walks into this mist, <laughs> and she goes down. We were talking about... So, the two... Does he dress up as anything? Yeah, he's got, like, a robe and fangs. I think he's just a vampire. He's a vampire, okay. Um, Alex decides to show up to this party as Queen Mab, which, it's been a hot minute since either of us have been in college, so we had to do some uh, brief research about who Queen Mab was and blah, blah, blah. So, she's referenced a lot, obviously, in Shakespeare's plays, specifically Romeo and Juliet, but I think in the context of this book, um, Lee Bardugo is alluding to Queen Mab's function in... Midsummer Night's Dream. And her definition as a character is that she's the midwife of fairies, which they do reference in this book specifically. So she helps birth dreams that people have, specifically men. And you do say that that, like, bears out in the story eventually. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Bardugo just made her Queen Mab just for once again for kicks and giggles. It was clearly, otherwise she just would have made her a lame-ass vampire like Darlington. So she's dressed this way for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's at the morgue, she sees she she uses mm-hmm. Tara's death to kind of what do you say? Birth. What'd she do? The vision, the the thingy. No, Queen Mab. What does Queen Mab do? Oh, she she births the dreams of men. So she like helps them so. pull something from their dreams. I believe. So I mean, a theory could be that they're not. They're dead. They're not dreaming. They're dead. So she's mm-hmm. with Tara. She's above like her, and she can sleep. see. Yeah. yeah, she can see what is happening to her, and then therefore she could avenge her uh-huh. death. Um, the bridegroom has also appeared, and he in the, earlier in the book they talk about this gruesome murder he did, but he needs her help. Yeah. And so she, at the end of chapter eleven, she's like, "Well, I'm going to help him." So mm-hmm. once again, a person is dead, and she is avenging their death okay possibly quite possibly avenging their death for some reason i wasn't directly connecting that to the gray activity so that makes a lot more sense now okay sorry Sorry. if you can hear that we're at work (laughs) they can because there's a tiny blip (laughs) there's a program in the background so you might hear people laughing and sewing sorry laughing and sewing laughing and sewing (laughs) so back to the queen map thing um Darlington is in this party, he walks through the mist, and suddenly he starts having these crazy visions, and or doing crazy things, because mm-hmm. it's not entirely clear that it's, like, physically happening right there. I think it is. Yes, and it would make sense that it is, but when you read it, like, the fact that she sets the scene up by him looking in this reflective mirror, I almost thought it was, like, the mirror pulls out, like, your most, like... It's the mirror of Israelite. Yeah, like, your crazy, crazy fantasies or, like, thoughts or, like, places you don't even let yourself go. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because then essentially he starts like getting it on with Alex right there at the party. But he sees her as actual Queen Mab. So that's confirmation of like, yeah, she's gonna bring forth these pieces of information that either help the ghosts or like yeah, yeah. avenge what happened to them in their lives and that's Cool. And in this also, also in this moment, like you said, he's grabbing her and he's like sexually grabbing her and he gets aroused by it. And mm-hmm. then he's upset that he has shown desire, which is he doesn't like losing control. But at the same time, you know, he's been alone for a while. Who knows when the last time he had any. Right. And now there's this girl that he's with constantly mm-hmm. and he has shown some vulnerability and he didn't like it. He's upset. About she that, was yeah. just like, whatever, man. But. Yeah, he didn't like it at all. And at the very end of that chapter, he says, she's not what she seems. So maybe he did see something in that mirror because the words on the page, we don't see anything weird about Alex except his desire for her. Mm -hmm. But maybe he saw something in that mirror Mm -hmm. because we know there's a mystery surrounding that murder scene. No one knows what really happened except Alex. Mm -hmm. And maybe he saw it. Mm -hmm. So who knows if he has some sort of power and then he won't be so envious of everybody else we don't know mm-hmm. uh but yeah that was a pretty interesting scene that we both had to read a couple times yeah and also i think well i kind of i kind of know but um <laughs> she goes and she talks to the manuscript people and they're like oh oh we're sorry and i mean clearly she's going to use that as leverage mm-hmm. she's like okay absolutely yeah, you you fucked with me and I'm putting now my face in front of you because i'm coming back for a yeah. favor at some point yeah yeah and he's yeah. like no write him up but she's street smart and she's like no we're not going to do that yeah we're going to use them when we need yep. them yep. and they're going to do it so Alex, Alex brings a very <laughs> specific like perspective set of, and set skills. of skills to this position. That's from that's from the Taking. Okay. Did you see that movie? The Taking. Was it is it called The Taking? With Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> is it called The Taking? I don't know. But anyway, you know what we're talking about. Taken. The Taken. Uh, taken. No, just Taken. Taken. There you go. <laughs> he has a specific set of skills. Yeah. Sorry, okay. tangent. Okay. Yeah. What was the other um, big thing? And then I think we're gonna talk about Chapter Eleven and how. Um, the whole showdown with Dean Sandow. So we see a different side of Dawes in this chapter. Yeah. Where for once, she, while she's been, like, aloof and not really focused on getting to know Alex, because that's not her function for Leaf. She's not going to step outside of her function as Oculus. Um, she basically... So Alex is appealing to Dean Sandow, and she's like, look, the... The, the experiences that I'm having are adding up to make me believe a certain thing, and that is that Book and Snake specifically are, like, sending these gloomy, gloomy, the plural as yeah. Dawes corrects her, these gloomy after me to literally kill me because I'm onto something with this Tara Hutchins murder and they don't want me to be. And he basically tells her, well you're a unique case and your skills and this and that that's happened since you got here has kind of led me to believe that maybe you're bringing this on and then Dawes is like hold up bitch that sounds like victim blaming and she basically tells him like you're basically saying that Alex's skirt is too short she's like I didn't think you were that kind of a person he's like so she appeals to his ego unfortunately um, and I loved that scene, just like, okay, now we're getting some more information about what the themes are here, and that, mm-hmm. um... And that somebody, so no one, well, 
she kind of said something when she was 12 and no one believed her, but yeah. now we have Dawes yeah. who does believe her and believes in her, and now we're going to have this great standoff. friendship. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Standoff. Sorry. Standoff with Dean Sandow. Yeah, and yeah. a friendship with Dawes. Friendship with Dawes, yeah. Um, that's all I wanted to say about that. Just point that out that, you know... Uh, and, and so Alex, that, that whole thing causes Alex to question the very purpose of Leaf. Like... Are we just here to help rich people stay rich, or are we here to protect those that can't protect themselves and make people accountable? So. Well, the cynic in all of us is like, yeah, yeah, we're here to make money and you know have power. And I kind of want to talk about that after we've done all of our themes and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about that scene where? she gets really upset and she's like you you knew this was happening to me all this time and you didn't help me why did you let this happen to me i thought that was a pretty powerful scene and i like the way darlington handled it because like you said they are kind of in the same boat as far as being abandoned mm -hmm. and you talked about this in the last podcast where we have adults abandoning children and mm -hmm. once again they knew this was happening to her and they just left her to her own devices mm -hmm. uh yeah that um, I forgot that was in this section of yeah chapters. These chapters are so freaking long. It's like what happened here, <laughs> and I wasn't taking notes until chapter nine. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything specific you wanted to say no, about that? I just thought it was a pretty good. Um, I think it reinforces another theme that Bardugo is trying to bring forth here: is that we have oh. adults who okay. are leaving kids on their own to their own devices, and they're not helping them. Yeah, people are not like everybody's out for their own gain and they're not using their power to uh, protect those who can't protect themselves, the vulnerable, the children, the, 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 the impoverished, mm -hmm. etc. Um, which I think, you know, in the Trump era, <laughs> we're kind of seeing in our society as well. It's like, um, we're not calling out rich, you're fuck you I don't care right you. and and the whole me too thing you know it's these powerful men using their privilege and power against people who statistically are not as um just not able to take a seat at the same table historically statistically and and she's trying to get at that so and where else to do that but where power is maintained and that's in these universities where yeah. there are billions of dollars of endowment every year and these secret societies just keep themselves going. And then they send these people out into society. And she keeps reinforcing that by reminding us all these people that we know who came from these secret societies who are like, this every year, more go out into society. It's like, it's, it's this is self perpetuating. So, it's interesting. Mm hmm. Won't go into my soapbox about that. Right. <laughs> all right. Let's keep politics out of it, guys. Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about the writing of the book. Okay. Um, one thing I liked in... Which... Well, okay. So, like you said, in the first five chapters, it was more of a setup. And in these next set of chapters, we really get to kind of see these secret societies and their houses and what they're doing. And so I kind of like to see their rituals. Uh, what was the one with the author? What house was that? Aurelian. Yeah. That was a really interesting scene. That I forgot that that happened. Very interesting. Zeb Yaromin. Yeah. Yaromin? I think it was Yaromin. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but I like the scene because... And they fucked up there, too. Yeah. 
And so Alex is probably going to go back to them. I, 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 I like that she's, like, setting the houses apart from one another. Like, you guys are up to evil shit, and you guys are going to help me later on. Yeah. Okay. That just occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I wanted to say, I think I actually documented that, but you already said it, um, was... I like how we get to see the power that each house has through their rituals. And in the Aurelian specifically, we see the power that some links go through or the, the things people go through just to get the power back. This man has not written a book mm -hmm. in some yeah, number yeah, yeah. of years mm -hmm. and he is going through this blood ritual to get a a new book out there, a um, a selling book. Um, and I kind of thought that was interesting because Stephen King, he writes these, a lot of, not a lot, but there are at least are you three. Saying? No, no, no. I'm just saying there are at least three novels where the protagonist is a writer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shining. Secret Window. Mr. Not Secret Window. Wait, yeah. Is it, I think it's Secret Window. The one with Johnny Depp? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mr. Mercedes, okay, Misery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, these people have it in for these writers. And it's like, was Bardugo going through something? She's like, if I could just do this blood write, write my book. Like, I just thought that was really interesting that I she mean, kind of put I, that in there. That's so true. I really, yeah, that's a great point to bring up. It's like, that's that's her little snippet of like, do you see what kind of pressure we're under? Yeah. <laughs> to like, churn out these stories that are meaningful and entertaining at the same time. Like, I didn't even think about that. I'm ashamed I didn't. Damn. <laughs> That's great. I like that one. <clears throat> Do we know what house she was a part of? Probably Aurelian, I would assume. Who? Lee Bardugo. You think she was in a secret She society? says that she was. And I don't remember where I read which one she was a part of. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to circle back and okay. do my research again. Yeah. It's in wow. the back of the book. Well, I guess I was in a secret society, too, and I was in college. I feel so left out. I was an Eastern star, which is like the third... It's it's part of the... Masonic thing and it's like the third so you start off as like there's one level and then you have to take like you have to do rituals to go up mm -hmm. to certain levels and Eastern Stars level three fun fact Eastern Stars are all women well they're not all women but Eastern Stars are women but men and we start at level three and men have to work up to it so men start at the bottom and I believe that's correct so they have to they have to work their way up to become Eastern Star Whereas, anyway, like, a woman just... Started to start. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Are you giving away secrets you're not supposed to give away? I don't think so. Don't <laughs> you don't think so? No, everybody knows that okay. it's, you know, if a man becomes Easter star, it's like... Oh, okay. I don't think that's a big secret. All right. The only other thing I liked about the writing that I can think of right now is kind of the pacing in that when we see... I don't know what chapter it is. I think it's the... I think it's the chapter we were just talking about, the Aurelian chapter, where she freaks out was that the one where she freaks out yeah mm -hmm. and they have to say the yeah they like the almost interrupt and, the whole ritual because yeah. and she starts singing that ladino yeah song which he says is a mixture of hebrew and spanish yeah i looked two up. cultures that i did not think had any crossover mm -hmm. hmm. yeah um she up until that point, Darlington has kind of seen her as this girl who went through this trauma, and she's, you know, she's got 
She's got a sarcastic wit about her. She doesn't seem like she takes any shit from people. And then he sees her vulnerable for the second time when she sees these grays coming at her. So I like, we. it's not in order. So mm. we go back and we see Darlington, we see her through Darlington's eyes as being afraid. And we, as the reader, don't know why until the next chapter when we, when we get the assault scene. So I kind of like how she writes these characters and writes them through other people's eyes. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Anything else specifically about the writing? I wasn't. Um, I wasn't okay. paying attention to the writing in this section of reading, mostly just because the plot does pick up a little bit, and most of this was like, I'm gonna need to remember this because Laura knows yeah, I won't. So yeah. Um, going back to the Goodreads thing. So I do that, which a lot of us do. We go back to Goodreads and we figure out what people liked and what people didn't like mm-hmm. about books, and a lot of the criticism is that it's too slow and it's boring and it is slow however I feel like it's important for people to know the type of books they like some people like Elise's rejected romance you don't read a romance book because you know you don't like that and I feel like it's the same thing with a character driven plot or a plot driven story if you do like action on the page and if you don't get any action on the page and you're bored don't read a character-driven plot. This is character-driven. It's going to be slow. There's not going to be a lot of dialogue because she's developing these characters in this world. So yes, it is going to be slow. If you don't like that, then don't read it because you're not going to like it. You're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, try to find books that are plot-driven and you'll have a better reading experience. I don't think it's slow. I don't think it's boring. I think it's interesting. I think mm-hmm. that the the... The action is in the character details and these houses that she is describing when they do their rituals Mm -hmm. and learning about Darlington and picking Mm -hmm. him apart. Like, I find that to be entertaining and I find that action because, you know, I don't know. Because it's someone's life you're reading about. Yeah. Like, it's not just just an author sitting there bringing you random details about somebody. It's like... It all fits into the larger story. And I noticed specifically in this block of chapters is that the the previous was like, here's the setup of information that I need you to know if you're going to stick with this book. And then this one really turns that back around on Alex and Darlington. And we really, really begin to get to know who they are. And I remember that thought coming to me during that scene um, at the manuscript party. Because, like, Darlington is basically... I think we've seen enough of Alex's vulnerable moments like we still don't know what happened at the murder scene again if you finish the book you know but like I I think right yeah okay uh but if you're like me and you have not you know like at this point of reading regardless you don't you don't know that yet and we have seen Alex be be assaulted twice by these things now and we've seen her freak out when the ghosts come at her and we've seen her past with Darlington because of how guarded that he is as a character it would make sense that the, the reveal of Darlington's character would be much more gradual because he himself doesn't want anyone to know who he is. Yeah. Um, so the, the narrator itself has to like tread lightly with Darlington's life information. It's like there's so much here to glom onto and like realize. It's like I like a pro- plot-driven story because it's it's entertaining to read a good story, but it's also really important to know when to slow down a little bit and look at books more as a psychological puzzle. Yeah. Like, who is this person that I'm reading about? And do I have anything similar to or different where I can glean 
you know, something from my life out of this, this reading experience, but I, I can understand the reviews because of, of Bardugo's reputation. Yeah, her other books a, have been quite right. action. Six of Crows had lots of action in it. Yes, but I think Six of Crows was a nice in-between because it was mm -hmm. also, for a large cast of characters, you really get to know them. Yeah. Um, just kind of bridging the gap between, like, the Shadow <laughs> and Bone series and then now this. And even King of Scars, while it was technically YA, I would classify that as, like, even new adult because it was just, like, the characters, I think, are a little older. Yeah. But I just felt like the book was more maturely written. The mm -hmm. characters make choices in a very different way than a teen protagonist does. So yeah. I think she's had she's been moving in this direction. I agree. And it shows her literal coming into adulthood as a writer. <laughs> that's my that's my metaphor for the day. <laughs> okay. Well, that was chapter 6 to 11. Oof. I'm enjoying it much more the second time through than I was the first time because Same. I have the opportunity to discuss it with other people. And other people, I just mean one person at least. <laughs> yeah, I'm officially, I'm officially at the point where I had not read anything. That okay. standoff with Dean Sandow and Dawes, I think I must have stopped at chapter nine because I didn't, I didn't read the party either. Okay. So I'm officially like ahead of where I was the first time I read it, which is nice. And I am enjoying, I enjoyed the block that I already read much more the second time because it was like I'm a little bit, I'm already a little bit oriented with this. Mm -hmm. You almost do need to reread this book twice. Yeah, you do. And you need to read it with a friend. This is a good buddy read yeah. book because yeah. you really need to, like, sit down and pick apart. Like, what happened here? Like, because there were so game. many times where I thought somebody, like, I thought some character experienced something and then she was like, no, they didn't. And it's like, you really have to bounce that off of another person. Because there's a lot. Very dense. Yeah. It's very dense. All right. So next week we'll be discussing chapters 12 through 18. We hope you're enjoying the podcast and we will see you next time.